Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. to see a lot of you here, kind of. <laughs> um, no, I'm joking. It's lovely to see, I think, just have the two families together. And it's such a blessing to see familiar faces and people I don't know. So for those of you that don't know me, um, Steve introduced me earlier. I'm Holly, the site pastor here, along with my husband, Elias, who's in Peru at this time. Um, and yeah, we just feel really blessed uh, to be at this church. Um, and we hope you enjoy. Uh, so... Moving on to the Psalms, when I say enjoy, this is probably not the right Psalm that's a joyful Psalm. (laughs) So I'm just going to give you a pre-warning. And in fact, when uh, we were asked if we want to preach on the Psalms, um, we were allowed to pick any any Psalm we wanted. And at the time, I didn't know which Psalm I wanted to preach on. I knew I wanted to be one of David, um, because for me, David's story is one of the best in the Bible. And if you haven't read it, I really recommend it as a good place to start. It's just full of action, romance, betrayal. Um, It's incredible. It's a real page turner. And what I love the most about the Psalms is that they're like what he's feeling and thinking at the time the story is going on. And if you ever want to have a deeper insight into someone, I wouldn't advise going and read their diary, but this is as good as it gets. Um, So, yeah, with that, I will start. So it's Psalm 142, so if you want to uh, go to your Bibles, um, or you can read it on the screen as well. I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour before him my complaint. Before him, I tell him my trouble. When my spirit grows faint within me, It is you who watch over my way. In the path where I walk, people have hidden a snare for me. Look and see, there is no one at my right hand. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me for they are too strong for me. Set me free from my prison, that I may praise your name. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. So as you can see, um, this is at a time when David's obviously in a bit of trouble. Um, And this psalm's called a maskil, um, which means a lesson. Um, And the reason it's called a lesson is uh, Matthew Henry puts it really well in saying, um, because he learned it in the cave, he learned it on his knees, and he learned that the things that he desired to teach others. And honestly, the reason why I chose this psalm is because at the time, and still now, it's, it's really resonating with me. I feel like I'm in a bit of a cave of my own, and it's hard to stand up here and admit that, um, especially as a leader. Um, so I'm going to do my very best to share some of the lessons that David has learned during this time and also what I believe God has been teaching me through this time. Um, so to give you a bit of context about David, um, this is the part of his story where basically he's had his high point, he's had his high moment with Goliath, he killed Goliath, 
Um, the people were amazed by him. Saul took him into his castle. He wanted to make him his son-in-law. Um, he was like, wow, you're amazing. As Steve was speaking about earlier, he had amazing gifts and talents. He could heal um, bad spirits just by playing his harp. He's an incredible guy. And so he'd had this really high point, and this all kind of suddenly went sour um, as soon as Saul heard a certain song that the people were singing. And it was basically, David, no, Saul has slayed thousands, David has slayed tens of thousands. And the thing about this, as you can see, is a song of comparison. And this is probably one of the first lessons that we need to learn in life, that comparison is just rotten. It is evil. And all it will do is just fuel um, jealousy, anger, and bitterness. And I know that firsthand. I learn what it's like to be jealous. I grew up in a family of four beautiful girls, and um, I, I've only just learned in the last two years that I was fueling a lot of jealousy that I kept down, and it's been such a freedom to come through that. And I think sometimes with jealousy is it can disguise itself as other things, and one of the things it disguises itself as is rage and anger. And for Saul, this was very clear. So basically, as soon as Saul heard this song, his spirit changed. And instead of loving David, instead of building him up, instead of appreciating him for the um, good man of God he was, he got into a jealous anger, and he started trying to kill David. And in the next few chapters, we basically see this amazing chase of Saul just chasing David, throwing spears at him, and David running for his dear life, basically. And... At this point, David ends up in a cave, and he's just hiding. He can't leave the cave. Everywhere outside of the cave, people are wanting his life. Um, so yeah, David has literally no one to turn to. He left his family to work for Saul. Saul wants him dead. So as far as he can see, there's no way out. There's nowhere to go, and he's completely stuck. So what is his first thing that he does? If we read the psalm, he says, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him, I tell him my trouble. So what does he do? He cries. And this is why I love David, because he's a man after my own heart. He loves to cry. And if you read the story, you'll find again and again, he's just on his knees weeping. And I think often, um, this is where I've actually been in the last year. And although, obviously, there's been incredible highs, like Battersea, um, uh, and doing my master's has been an amazing thing. I've also gone through some real personal struggles. And, yeah, I don't need to share what those struggles are, um, but I can give you the main gist of, of, of them and let you know that I was, I've basically spent a lot of time on my knees in tears asking God where he is and telling him my trouble. And I think often we can look as crying as a sign of weakness, um, especially in the Christian world. I think... There's this thing inside us saying we need to be, have faith, we need to be strong, we need to be, show people that we believe God is going to protect us, God looks after us, and of course he does. But as you can see here, when you're in the midst of it, it's very hard to, to, stand, to stand strong, and sometimes it just comes out, it's real. It's ugly, it's real, it's unattractive. Um, I know for me, uh, training to be a therapist, one of the things we have to learn is how to sit with people's pain and anger. And... I have never realized how hard it is to sit in a room for an hour with someone and listen to their problems and not try and fix them and not try and make it all better. 
and how to sit with that anxiety and let them just be in that in that place and it's it's not easy it's not easy and i think as human beings we can feel sorry for someone we can pray for someone but to sit with them in this it's it's very hard and it's very hard to know who to share with and what to do i was very blessed during this year because i've had to have therapy for my course and i strongly recommend it if you do need someone to sit with you um, in that we can we can probably give you some numbers of people that will help you with that um, but yeah, so David at this point is, yeah, completely aware that his strength is not from himself, but it's from God. And his strength is in his tears. That's all he has left, his tears. Um, yeah, so what does God do with our tears? I typed this into Google the other day, and <laughs> it takes too long to go through the whole Bible. Um, and I was just amazed by the amount of passages that come up. Um, and one that really stuck with me was that God collects our tears in a bottle. This is in Psalm 56, if you want to look it up. Um, it's a bit weird, collect tears, uh, but this is what God does. And, and this kind of made more sense to the Israelites at the time because um, for soldiers that would go away, um, and obviously their wives wouldn't know whether they would be dead or alive um, coming back, the wives would keep a bottle tied around their neck and they would collect their tears in the bottle um, to show the soldiers when they came back how much they missed them, how much they loved them, and how much they had wept over them. And I found this amazing that God, that's, that's what God does. He collects our tears to show us how much they mean to us, um, which is incredible. And another thing um, that we learned a few weeks ago um, when Heather preached on Psalm 126 um, is, is this, that those who sow tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. This is his promise. And David knows his promise, but that doesn't change where David is right now. And he goes on to say, when my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way in the path where I walk. And this is David's comfort. This is his comforting himself. And I want to be honest with you. If you have given your life to God, it does come at a cost. Life isn't easy. And I think in general at church, we hear testimonies, and they're amazing, and, and they're important because they're God's story in our life. But I will tell you that on this side of me following God, I have suffered and gone through more strife than I have before I followed Jesus. Um, yeah, happy news, isn't it? <laughs> um, but I, I really want to let you in on, on a little secret, which is amazing, that the more you give your life to God, the harder he makes it to turn back. And even if I wanted to go back to my old life now, it's impossible because I'm not that same person. I don't, I don't have those friends anymore. I don't have anything from that life left um, for me. I, I wore it out. I wore it to death. And like um, David, who is stuck in the middle of the cave with potential death surrounding him everywhere, the only one he can turn to is God. And I stand here really, really thankful that I don't have any other way out. I've thought about it. I've thought millions of times, even this week, I called up Viv and I said, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> I'm going through a really hard time. I'd kind of hit rock bottom. And, and she said, OK, let's pray. And we got off the phone and I suddenly realized there's nothing else I can do. I can't, I can't leave the church. I can't leave my husband. I have too much to lose. There's too much to lose. And I think when, yeah, God, God gives you, um, a, uh, sorry, 
I'll start again. Um, so I have a friend that, that has a job. He works down the mines, which I always find quite funny. Um, but it, they call it high risk, high reward. And that's, that's how I feel that, that giving my life to God has been. It's been a high risk, but there is high reward. And in this place where you cannot do anything but rely on him, when you've given up on everything else, when there's no one to turn to, that is the sweet spot. That is the, the piece of the puzzle where you can praise him and stop. And so what have I done in times where it's just been impossible and hard? The only thing we can do is pray that God's will be done. That's the only thing we can do. We know that his will is good and perfect and true. And just as David says, I will trust in the path that you've made me, that is the greatest comfort, that he has made your path. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if one minute, like David, we're going to be high and mighty and everyone's going to be singing our praises. And the next minute, we're going to be in a cave risking our life. And we see this time and time again in the Bible. We see it with Joseph. He's one minute in the favor of Pharaoh, and the next minute he's in the prison. And we see it even with Jesus. He had thousands of followers. He was riding on a donkey with people praising his name. And the next, and a few days later, he was naked, bare on the cross, shouting, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? And we don't get to choose our lives. God chose them. He chose them for us. And that is his good and perfect will. That is his delight. So do we trust him? Do we trust that he knows our path? Do we trust him when things suddenly aren't all great and peachy and nice? And I truly believe as Christians that our lives shouldn't make sense. And before I, went, before I gave my life to God, I, I went through a difficult time too. Um, but the outcome of that was very different to what it is now. I suffered with addiction. I was in broken relationships. I struggled a lot. I, di I didn't have anywhere to go apart from home. And, and I had no aspirations. I had no hope. And now I'm in the same place again where I'm struggling a lot with things that have been devastating, honestly. And this last few weeks, I, I have wondered, what is happening? What is going on with this world? But when I look at my life and I see the outcome of it and I see... I started a church this year. What? I, I've done a master's? What? I'm married to a really handsome, nice man? What? Those, those, those are the fruits. Um, and, and yeah, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And you go, wow, how do you have the time to do that? And I honestly can't tell you. I'm not, I'm not Wonder Woman. If you ask my friends from back home, they laughed when I told them I was a pastor. They laughed when I told them I was doing my master's because they, know, they knew who I used to be. And, and for them, that was just impossible to even believe. So we move on to the last section of the psalm. And what does he say? He says, Set me free from my prison, that I may praise your name. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. And so... If we ask, who are these righteous people that David talks about? Um, and this is where you can transfer back to the story, which is great, and find out what happened. And this is in 1 Samuel 22. So David left there and ran to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and all of those of his father's house heard about it, they went down there to him. Then everyone who was in trouble, everyone who owed money, and everyone who was not happy in the way that they were living came together to him. He became their captain, and there are about 400 men with him. 
And so, as I said, it just doesn't make sense, does it? David's in trouble, and what does God do? He sends people that need his help. It doesn't make sense. And this is because of God's love. His, his love is outward-facing. It's not inward-facing. And I think we have a time in life when we go through hardship to face inward. I know I have, like I said this week, it's very easy for me to give up and just think, oh, do you know what? Screw it all. I'm going to drink a load of wine, eat a load of cookies, and give up on everyone else. But... Um, God doesn't, doesn't believe that. He has another plan. He had a plan for me to be here today and preach. Would I be any happier at home? Probably not. Probably not. Um, and that, that way leads to addiction. That way leads to death. And, and this way leads to life. And yeah, in his time of need, he sent people that needed looking after, that were looking for a leader. And yeah, I think... When we look back at, uh, at the Psalm um, 126 and we see those words, those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, with, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. I see, even though I cannot see um, the fruit and the, the freedom in the problem that I'm facing now, I know I believe in it. And while he hasn't let me see that big reward he has sent, let me see plenty of small ones and when I lived in Africa the thing that I loved the most was seeing the, the monsoon come in and seeing the rainy season and seeing these little shoots sprout up and as I said when we pray for the will of God to be done even in our times of trial um, and we say yes to God and we say yes to his ways it's incredible what comes out of them last year or the year before, Viv and Steve asked me and Elias to lead a home group. We were on our honeymoon, we were just about to get married, and we were like, really, can we do this? But we really felt God saying yes. This, this last year gone, they asked us to be pastors of the church. I was in the last year of my master's, I just received this awful news. I, I was working really hard, but we really felt God say yes. And the fruit of that being that this week, um, as I said, Elias has gone away, sadly for the death of a friend. I was left alone in the house, but I wasn't alone. And the fruits of that home group meant that the people that I love and cherish and now call dear friends came from that time. The fruits of people in this church of saying yes to starting this church. Every single day I've had people texting me and praying for me, and I feel so loved and blessed. And I think, wow, if I hadn't have said yes to God, I would be completely alone. If I hadn't said yes to going out on a mission, I wouldn't have met my husband. If I hadn't loved outwardly first, I would never have received the fruit of what God has for me and get to see that harvest. And I think um, when I was asking God last night, okay, so what is the message of all of this? What do you have to say to the people today? I really, um, yeah, I just really felt him saying that that if you are that person, if you are feeling weak and shaky, if you're going through trial and trauma, it's because God is calling you to greater things. And I'm gonna ask the band to come up now. Um, and I'm just gonna share one last story. Eight years ago, I was in a church up the road and I hadn't been to church for a very long time and it was about um, missionaries and people had come back from missions trips and were saying about their mission experience. And a lady stood at the front of the church and she said to me, well, not to me, to everyone, she said, if you're someone that's standing there right now feeling weak and shaky, feeling like your life has come crushing down before you, 
you might be that very person that God is calling to be a missionary. And that changed my life. In five months after that, I went on to be a missionary in Uganda. I couldn't believe how quickly he could turn my life around and change it. Um, yeah, so I think if we can just stand now, I'm going to pray, and then we can ask God. Yeah, Father God, we just thank you. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that even in the eye of the storm, Father, that you are there, that you are giving us peace, Father, that you are real, that you care, that you save every single tear we have cried, Lord Jesus. And Lord, I just want to pray it over um, people here today, Lord Jesus. We pray for your healing, Lord. If people are in the place of addiction, if they're in the place of um, trial, Father, we just pray for healing, Lord. And Lord, if you want to speak to people, we, we just ask you now to have your way, Lord. We ask to hear your voice, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you never fail us, that you never forsake us. We thank you that your love spans for generations, Lord. And we thank you for every single person here. We thank you that them coming here today was a part of your path for them. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.